Blog Talk Radio. Hello, 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 everyone. You are on live with the real Jenny on sports. Today is a special edition. It is the post-Super Bowl edition. It's Tuesday, February 8th, 2011, and I am thrilled. I am more than thrilled uh, to be here. It's, it's kind of a, a sad day. I, I, I get to this day with mixed feelings because we don't, we're not going to have football to talk about for a few months now, which is really sad. We'll have some other topics to talk about football-related, which is things like, oh, I don't know, collective bargaining agreements. Um, and whatnot, but football play, this is it. And so um, for this special edition to talk Super Bowl fast and furious for the next 30 minutes, I have invited my my special co-host guest, which is Mr. George Foster. Uh, George Foster has, has graced the professional ranks of football for eight years and is and is uh, hopefully happy to be on the show. George is is both a giant on the field, but a gentleman off the field. It is always a pleasure, George, to have you on the show. How are you doing today? I'm doing fine tonight. I'm glad you're having me on the show. Uh, I always enjoy coming on, and hopefully we can have a good, a good or great conversation tonight about this past weekend. Exactly. So, you know, there were a lot. There's a lot going on um, in the city of Dallas. It was so much so that I managed to kind of sneak out uh, for a couple of days and kind of get away because it was so much ice and uh, craziness. Let me just ask you this: for everything that you know of Super Bowl and all the things leading up to the Super Bowl, was this like one of the craziest, like pre, you know, days prior to the Super Bowl? Was this like one of the craziest times with with the weather? and whatnot, and ice falling off the stadium and seats getting shut down the last minute. Is this, I mean, because this seemed like a lot was going on for Dallas. Yeah, it, 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 it was a lot going on. It's, that ice was something else. Uh happened to be in town, uh, happened to get in town on Wednesday, and mm-hmm. that ice was, that ice was, it was like, it was like none other. Because, you know, the Texans don't know how to drive in it, you know. I, th- I think it, it would have been okay if, um, if you know, some of the the locals knew how to drive in it. You know, it's not their fault. They don't get they don't get iced that much. But uh, it was a, it was a mess. It was a mess. But um, uh, I'm glad it, it cleared off. It cleared off around Saturday, and the the, the freeways and the, and the roads were clear by then. Absolutely. Now, one of the things I talked with Damon Allen. Who uh, who jumps on the show uh, periodically? One of the things I talked to him about last week was distractions. Right, there's always the possibility of distractions leading up to a Super Bowl game or any any big championship game. And so I you know I talked to him about you know what kinds of things the players may be experiencing and whatnot. Well, sure enough, uh, matter of fact, probably almost around the same time, almost the exact same time that. Uh, that I was hosting, actually hosting my show, Big Ben, Ben Roethlisberger, was sitting there having a good old time in a karaoke bar. Um, you know, I mean, yeah. they had a curfew of 1 o'clock, and some people had little little camera phones saying he that he broke curfew. He said he didn't. But you know what's funny, George? It was Tuesday before Super Bowl. I mean, even though there's yeah. a curfew, 
I mean, days, days before. I mean, why are people so hard on players for just man, being human? When is 27 it's, years it's, old, it's not like the man is, is 50, 60 and needs to be home by, by a certain time so he can, you know, wash out his eyes and his cataracts and, and you know, whatever. I mean, the man's 27 years old. I would think several days before any game it'd be he'd be okay to be at a karaoke bar. Yeah, I, I have no problem with it whatsoever. Um, uh, people have these unrealistic expectations for athletes, and they have no, they have no ba- nothing to base their expectations on. Why they, they might say, "Oh, what is he doing out?" But okay, tell me why you think he should be cooped up in his room on Tuesday before Super Bowl. They have no reason, no reason whatsoever. He's ha- out having fun with teammates. <clears throat> he's not, he's not out, you know, with hoodlums and hanging out and doing uh, it's, there's a lot worse that could go on uh, with players before Super Bowl as we you know saw with the Barrett Robbins situation uh, a few years ago and it, 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 they, they just took it way too far and out of context and I think it's you know the privacy issues that's another issue in itself as well with the camera phones and whatnot. not um, I, I, I say I don't have a problem with it. He was having fun. He was with teammates. And um, you got to stay loose going to the Super Bowl because, you know, you're a quarterback. You don't want to be uptight during the Super Bowl. That's right. Now, you brought up a very good point. There were uh, other of his teammates were there, but the story, at least in Dallas, especially yesterday and today, I mean, they never – I mean, they mentioned that his teammates were there, but they don't even mention the other teammates by name. You know, as as if he needs to be even held to a higher standard than his own teammates, which I thought, do people not see how unrealistic and how unfair this reporting is and in, in this standard? So it, it, it's so. So, do you think that that potentially was a distraction for him on not, on Tuesday night not, before? Not at all. Not at all. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I, think, I don't I think, think. I think. I think. I think. for a Sunday game, you might start winding it down. Wednesday or Thursday, you know, do 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 your thing, you know. It's not like he's on camera getting drunk out of his mind or right. or, or laid up with strippers or something. It's it's he was out having fun at a karaoke bar. Like what? Like right. there's there's you know what I'm saying. It's of course there's some drinks involved, but you know, other than that, it's you know somewhat wholesome. You know, wholesome fun. You know, having fun with teammates. You know. I just think people take it way too far, and they they just look for something uh, to have a voice about. You know, people always want to be heard. That's right. That's right. So then, you know, we so as the week progresses, you know, media day was rough because there was ice everywhere, and so you know, a, a, a lot of activities that they were going to have had to be shut down. Part of the facility where they were going to do a concert had to be canceled because the roof caved in. Um, even leading up to hours before the Super Bowl, ice, big sheets of ice were actually falling off the side uh, of the stadium and had, had injured a couple of people. So it just was just a weird, weird Super Bowl from that standpoint. But before we get to the game, I just I, I have to I have to ask you this. This is just really important. Um, the Saturday before the game, Michael Vick was in town, and I'm not sure if you heard about this this little the so-called controversy. Uh, but Michael Vick was in town, and the mayor pro tem for Dallas 
um, did uh, this ceremony to hand Michael Vick the key to the city. Now, it was the mayor pro tem, not the mayor. Mayor yeah. pro tem in Dallas, his name is, is uh, Dwayne Carraway. Um, and so people in the city of Dallas, and, and you know, I don't know what, what everybody else is feeling, got largely upset, just extremely upset. How could you give the key to a city? Two issues they brought up. How could you give the key to a city to an ex-con? And the second was, how could you give the key to a, to the city for a man who did such horrible things to dogs? I will tell you my immediate reaction, and this is Black History Month too, let's keep in mind. My immediate reaction was that I felt like it was a bunch of ignorant people standing up and saying something. The man made a mistake. He admitted he made a mistake. He faced that in court. He served his time. He came out. Yes, he's an ex-con because, you know, he committed a crime, was convicted, but he's an ex-con made good. He came back highly talented, focused, and he's doing very well. The world should want ex-cons to come out and do well. Like, I don't understand personally why why there's this, you know, why they're crucifying a person who did his time. I mean, he stood before a judge. The judge could have picked whatever number out the sky. The judge picked that number, and he served that time. And so, I mean, what are you hearing? Are there any rumblings about, you know, that that issue, about people being upset that he got the key to the city? Or just how do you feel about that in in, uh, general? I I have a couple of takes on that. If I'm a if 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 I'm a if I'm a Dallas citizen, mm-hmm. um, I'm I'm probably more angry that an eagle got it than I am him being Michael Vick and for the things he's done because none of us are perfect. If they would look into each of our lives, you know, nobody would want that showed on the big screen. Their whole life, you know. So, so I, I'm not. I'm, I'm less interested in what he did. He paid the price. He, uh, I think, he overpaid. Um, mm-hmm. And is and and that's and that's done. That's over with. Um, my argument would be, okay, why why the key to the city in Dallas of all places? Um, um, I didn't hear what they based the key to the city on, but. I'd be like, man, an eagle getting the key to the city in Dallas. Oh my goodness, that was, that was you know, it's it kind of lighthearted. Okay. I'd be like, man, why, why in Dallas of all places? But, yeah, um, that, but I, I don't, so I don't see anything wrong with it. You feel like, hmm? uh, yeah, that part I couldn't understand either. The the, the timing of it, um, I yeah. didn't necessarily understand. Um, and, I, and I've yet to hear what the explanation was for why it was important to give Michael Vick the key to the city at you know at this moment in time. You know that that I don't know. And of course, the mayor's office here is there. Everybody's backing away, like, "Oh, we didn't have anything to do with it." I'm like, "Somebody knew." Yeah, somebody, somebody knew. knew. You know, nobody, nobody, nobody wants to own up to that, and you know, nobody probably ever will. Uh, when when it gets hot in the kitchen, you know, people get out now. Not too many people stay in the kitchen. <laughs> but, look, nobody wants to own up to it, but those circles will watch a game with Michael Vick playing. They'll watch Michael Vick score six touchdowns, and they'll oh, see no They're going to put money no on that game. They're going to go to Vegas and the line and put money on games that this man is working. He's in the midst of his job working. And, you know, they'll do all of those things and profit from his success. 
know, lots of because let's keep it real. In the, the gambling world is alive and well. A lot of folks this past season profited from Michael Vick's success on the field from a gambling standpoint. Vegas is happy. And I really upset when I hear uh, people have that level of criticism. I'm like, let's not forget all the money he that Michael Vick doesn't see. Because, you know, from the gambling world, the people are profiting from his success. Hey, I just want to break in really quick and do two things. Station identification, this is the real Jenny on sports. If you want to dial in, the dial-in number is 347-637-1837. Again, 347-637-1837. Also, who has joined us is 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 the illustrious Damon Allen. Damon Allen is a 23-year veteran of the CFL. He's now on his third year of glorious retirement and a career transition, doing some wonderful things. Damon, is that you on the line? Yes, I'm on the line. I was just sitting back uh, listening to what, uh, you know, the gist of the conversation was, and I, I didn't get it all, um, but I do I do know something about, you know, someone receiving the key to the city. <laughs> That's right, Michael Vick. So so George Foster is on the line as well. Yes. Uh, so, hey, how are you doing, so I, George? Doing fine. Glad to see you. Glad to have you join in with us. Yeah. More than Mary. No. Yes. No question. So uh, you know, Michael Vick got the key to the city on the Saturday before Super Bowl from the Mayor Pro Tem, uh, Dwayne Caraway, who incidentally is um, African American, and um, you know, the, and so the the one point that you know I just want to stress is that. When we are dealing with a society where we have a lot of ex-cons that are coming out of prison and coming back into society, um, I am not upset if you hold up to the light an ex-con that has done well. You know, I'm not upset at all about this because that's the gold standard. I mean, we don't want people to come out and repeat their crime or do worse. We want them. I would love it if all ex-cons could come out and become millionaires legally. What's wrong with that? I mean, just because he did it and you hadn't done it yet, I just think it's a lot of jealousy going on uh, with Michael Vick, again, who is just ex- just extraordinarily talented. So so what do you think, Damon? I mean, is it jealousy that is really at the root of this controversy of why, you know, of, of should he or, should he, or shouldn't he have gotten the, the key to the city? Because some people in Dallas are actually asking for the uh, uh, for him to give the key back. Well, I, I think when you when you give the key to a city to an individual, um, that has more to do with you know the life uh, and the time spent in the city of you know Dallas. And so, you know, you have to look at it. Why was why did the city why why was the key given to him anyway? Was it a publicity yeah. stunt uh, to give uh, you know more uh, publicity about you know Dallas because they're hosting the Super Bowl? And they're doing great things, and you know that's one of the things that you know you normally do at such a big event such as that. But you know, usually the the C uh, it's usually to uh, when you give the key to a, the city to an individual, you're welcome into that community. Mm-hmm. And I, he's not I, living and, in and Dallas, I, is he? No, no he doesn't I, live in Dallas. I, I agree. I he agree with Damon on that. Yeah. He doesn't live in Dallas. Uh, hasn't spent a lot of time and dedication to the city of Dallas and built into the city. Uh, that's usually when you're off to do something like that. Um, because the reason why I say that because uh, when I when the CFL expanded to the Memphis uh, 
city of Memphis. Uh, I played uh-huh. for the Memphis Mad Dogs. At the time, uh-huh. Mayor Harrington was actually the mayor. They gave me the key to the city because uh, I was coming to that community, and they welcomed uh-huh. me into that community, you know, being the quarterback and the new professional team. Uh-huh. So I understood why I got the key to the city. Uh, for Michael Vick uh, to get the key to the city to Dallas, um, unless he plans on living there, uh, being heavily involved in the community, uh, to me sometimes it doesn't make no sense, and it had more to do with, you know, creating uh, a buzz and on all those things. And so, um, I mean, to me it's not the proper thing to do uh, because you can find anybody in the city of Dallas to give the key to the city to the, uh, the, key, uh, the key to the city to amount of work and dedication they put into that city, and they live there too. Now I totally agree, but gentlemen, let's be honest. We're having an intelligent conversation, but the comments in the city of Dallas doesn't have anything to do with where he lives. Everybody's upset that, because well, of the ex-con the key to the city, and I just—I mean, that's what floors me. I, I mean, all, all well, I mean, the to, to really to really say right. he's an ex-con, I mean, that's really harsh too. I mean. Exactly. It's you very know, maybe hard. Maybe there should be maybe it should be another word for what you know, he did. I mean, because you know, ex-con is really harsh, and you know, he didn't do 25 years to life and those things. I mean, you know, that's usually when they use the word ex-con to people who may not get opportunity to, you know, get out, and if they do, they spent 25, 30 years in prison. Right. Well, but he was convicted of a crime, um, and you know, so that I mean, we can't change. History. That's truly what happened. But in the same talk, I mean, there's people that spend there's there's murderers of human beings, and we're not going to get into the subject of you know dogs. <laughs> Thank <or> you. <laughs> but there's murderers of human beings that spend less time in jail and come back and and repeat. And this is a man that spent more you know that spent I think too much time. I agree with you, George. I think too much time uh, for this crime. But he spent it. He did the time. He came out and he he inserted himself back into the community, brought his talents and and have have put himself back into a place that's positive for himself and his family. I mean, hell, he didn't just go to prison; he lost all of his money, all of his endorsements. It, I mean, you know, on the field it looks easy because he's so talented. But my goodness, to work his way back from the press conference when he first admitted to the world that he was guilty of the crimes, to work his way back, you know, to go to prison, to go through sentencing and prison and have people hate you and, and signs and screaming, to go from that to where he is now, that was not an easy process. You know, and no, so it, I it wasn't. And it wouldn't affect him if he, did, did if he didn't get the key to the city. It wouldn't affect him anyway. That's, yeah. that's right. He's already on a mission to, uh, to recovery. That's right. Yeah, I just, I mean, I, I surely just just absolutely don't get it. Let's see, I think it's so funny. I just wanted to bring bring this little quick parallel up. Let me make sure I do have, oh, yeah, I've got the right chef. There's a chef by the name of Jeff Henderson. I don't know if, if either one of you have heard of this chef, uh, but he um, he spent nearly 20 years in prison, by the way. He came out, and his new skill was being a chef because so he, he liked to cook. That's one of the things that he learned how to do in prison. Uh, now he's, he's, he's like this. Right? Yep, yep African-American. Now I'm he's the famous chef that, that people love to eat from, right? And I'm thinking to myself, so you can eat from a 20-year ex-con 
because he's a famous chef, but you're going to be upset over Michael Vick doing nothing but showing up to receive. He didn't ask for the key to the city. It was given to him. And it just, I mean, the the standards are just out there. Okay, so I don't want to spend too too much time on that because we had nine minutes and there was a there was a Super Bowl. I think it didn't seem yeah. like much of a Super Bowl in the in the first half uh, of the game. I was I was rooting for the Steelers. Damon, who were you rooting for? Packers. I picked Green Bay because of the injuries that uh, Pittsburgh had up front. Yeah. That's right, and then <laughs> and then George, you rooting for? <laughs> Pretty even for me. I know more guys on the Steelers. Um, I have more friends and, and the former teammates on the Steelers. And um, so I guess somewhat the Steelers, but uh, I, 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 it didn't bother me either way. So it didn't bother you congrats, either way. Congrats, congrats to Green Bay. Well, absolutely. Congratulations to Green Bay. Their execution, uh, you know, really worked to their favor. But also, I mean, you know, turnovers really killed it, right? Offense sells tickets, defense well, wins games. Hey, yeah, yeah. Turnovers is, is a huge story in the game because, I mean, even though you're going into the ball game, it, this is a ball game that was very difficult to actually pick a winner. You knew it was going to be close. Oh, but, you know, the one thing, that, the, the biggest difference in any ball game because – we can all speculate who's going to win, and you know, and that's the great thing about NFL, how all the hype is going around, who's going to win. But the bottom line is the game and the story will be told on the field, and and obviously the turnovers really uh, put uh, Pittsburgh in the, you know, early in the ball game, you know, behind the eight ball, and so it's very difficult to actually cut, recover from that. And plus, they didn't put no pressure on Aaron Rodgers, and I mean, he throws the football as well as anybody in the league. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No doubt. And so, yeah. and 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 so when so when uh, Woodson went down, what did you think? Well, at well, that time they're just they're just holding on for dear life. <laughs> what yeah. do you think, George? He's an integral. He's an integral part of that defense. Um, but they they got so much coming coming at you up front though that they could they could make up for his loss. You know, maybe not his his guidance and his leadership. Can't make mm-hmm. up for it, but uh, but they they have you have you have a lot more to worry about than Charles Wilson when you're dealing with Green Bay defense. Tom Capers does an awesome job of getting those guys in a place to make plays. So you know it's interesting though when we were looking when I was looking at the stats as the game was progressing, Aaron Rodgers' stats really weren't that great. Like I, I was honestly I was almost surprised he got MVP. Were you well, shocked? They were they weren't great because there was a lot of balls dropped. Yep, that's right. Yeah. Lots of balls yeah. dropped. Jordan, Lots Jordan, of Jordan Nelson. Nelson. Jordan, Jordan Nelson. Nelson would have been MVP. Name. You know, George. Oh, yeah, yeah. Jordan he would have been MVP. A ton of balls. Yeah, he would have been MVP of, of the game because they were open all day. I just didn't find that Pittsburgh's deep secondary couldn't really cover the receivers. They were all all of them were open. Well, that, that they didn't surprise. That didn't surprise me though. Pittsburgh secondary, I think. I think that's the weak part of their defense. You know, uh, you got Palomalu, but he's a he's a splash defensive playmaker, and, uh, and coverage is not necessarily his, his strong suit. He makes a lot of big plays, but um, uh, historically, I, in, in my opinion, in the last uh, six to ten years ago, their corners haven't haven't been the best. You know, they they the blitzing and. And a lot of the, the, the skies and, and stuff uh, makes up for a lot of their deficiencies at cornerback, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. 
Well, you, well, know, you know that, what? you know, back in the day in Mel Blunt and those guys. <laughs> it's different. Oh, man, speaking of Mel Blunt, I had the chance to meet Mel Blunt for the first time. That is the most huge guy I've ever seen in my life to play defensive back. It was <laughs> and play corner, too. That's the funny thing. <laughs> he played cornerback, and he is, when I say he's God awful huge, I'm like, how do you get off of that jam? You cannot get off of wow. that jam. For you to Mel say that, because, George, you know, you're not a little Blunt. dumpling yourself. So, I mean, Mel for Blunt you to tell me this, this dude is big. He's, Mel, he's Blunt looked me straight in, Mel Blunt looked me straight in my eye and looked just like yeah. a defensive yeah. player. Yeah, I'm 6'6". I'm 6'6". Mel Blunt looked me dead in my eye. He's not as tall as me, but he looked me dead in my eye. Wow. Wow. Well, speaking of corners, uh, you know, one thing I always pay attention to is the flags. There really weren't a lot of flags thrown. I was kind of surprised. Uh, I mean, I like the refs just to kind of let the boys play. However, I mean, I think there were some missed pass interference calls. I, I really, really do. That could have changed the scope of the momentum several times in the game. What do you guys see as, as far as calls or or no calls? I don't mind that as long as we call it the, the same both ways. So if you mm-hmm. if you have no calls on both sides, it doesn't. You know that's fine with me. What do you well, think, Damon? Canada, well, for me, I, you know, I didn't watch the majority of the game. Part of the game I was watching, but I was really more enthused with, uh, you know, the Super Bowl party in Toronto for the first time. And, you know, Jerry Rice came up, and I had an opportunity to interview him. So I was really focused on what Jerry was doing. But uh, periodically I've seen parts, parts of the game. Um, at one point, like I said, it was, I thought it was going to be a, a one of these routes. But, you know, mm-hmm. you know, I think Pittsburgh really showed a lot of character. And why they're in the Super Bowl is the fact that they came back and, you know, really made it into a game, an exciting game. And so right. I mean, it's just part of it's just part of football, right? The referees can't see everything. Yeah. Well, well, you know what I will say about Ben. I was a little disappointed. It seems like in past big games for Ben, whether it's Super Bowl or just other pivotal games in the regular season or playoffs, it seems like he has a certain fire in his eyes, and you can kind of see that momentum building within him. Like you just know that 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 he is headed for you know, making several – or he's going to string together several big plays. I didn't really see that fire in in Ben in the fourth quarter. I just didn't see it. Well, my opinion, well, I think sometimes you just – sometimes the fire just runs out. You know, sometimes, yeah. you know, he's done it so much time after time that it, even I thought he was going to come back and win the game. I can't, I'm not going to lie about that. But at some point, mm-hmm. it just, you, just, you just run out. You, you can't do it. Yeah. Well, I think also think, too to add to add what George is, is saying is, uh, you know, the the previous Super Bowls he won, he was healthy. You know, right. He came in this game with that foot injury, and then all of a sudden throughout the game, early in the game, you know, he hurt his knee, and so I think you know that does affect in, in a sense, you know, your play and your aggressiveness because you know Ben's a big quarterback, and he normally yep. plays a lot of physical, but he wasn't as physical that we've seen him in the two previous Super Bowls they've won and, you know, how he's played this year. And so, yeah, I think it is affecting him a little bit, especially when he, he hurt his knee and he really wasn't the same because he was a little bit more timid and throwing the football and a variety of different things. And so, you know, his injuries could have affected him because, you know, it's, it's very difficult to, to play in such a big game like that and you're not going in the game, you know, 100% either. He's not one of those little guys running around on that broke ankle. 
plus pads and helmets and, and, and all of that. And people don't realize you can shoot it up all you want. That's just going to take away the pain. But pushing yeah. off and the strength in it, that's a whole yeah, different story. Two, yeah, he's 260 pounds. And so he has to carry that weight on his little skinny knees. It looks like he was <laughs> his legs. <laughs> I can relate. <laughs> yeah, his legs didn't look, uh, look like they can carry that big weight he had uh, above his knee. Mine don't either. <laughs> <laughs> that is hilarious. Okay, so what's your thoughts on? Well, well, wait. Let me just stop for a moment because I'm looking at my switchboard and I just heard that we've got 90 seconds left. So I actually want to go for about five more minutes at least, if you guys are okay with that. But where it's going to be important is for our listeners on Blog Talk Radio. So if you want to continue listening to this great conversation with with Damon Allen and George Foster and myself, Jennifer Tebow, you can log in to Ustream.tv. Uh, if you go to Ustream.tv, um, if you Google Jennifer Tebow, find the actual show and you can continue to listen. You can still dial in as well at 347-637-1837. Uh, so you can still dial in to the show just to listen. Uh, but, again, go ahead and go on to Ustream just to continue to get more of the show. Okay, so here's a question that I have for you all. What about the coaching? Uh, do you think we had the best coaching that that we've seen in, in Super Bowls, or was it kind of mediocre? Because the kind of coaching seemed very conservative, with the exception of you know the one time they went for the uh, two points, the uh, two point conversion. So I mean, was it conservative coaching this Super Bowl? Well, I mean, it's really hard to say if it's conservative because you know these coaches don't have a lot of experience. I mean, these guys are still young. I mean, the Green Bay Packers was a coach; it might have been his second year. Uh, you know, and the Pittsburgh Steelers coach is still one of the youngest coaches around, and so. You know, I think they just try to keep it simple and allow their players to play. And, you know, sometimes, um, you know, being conservative in those things has more to do with experience and right, and seeing a variety of different things. So I, I didn't think they were conservative, but, you know, that's probably why they, they probably were in a sense and may look like it because, you know, these coaches are getting younger. Sure. Yeah, and I think, I think, I think uh, game planning – it revolves around your personnel as well. What do you feel you can go into the game with? Um, what suits? Uh, who you have dressing that day? You dress forty six. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what's the best plan, game plan to go into with the forty six that you have? Who's healthy? You know who's playing what position? Who's in there? Uh, you know uh, Pittsburgh is going there with a completely new center. You know, and the center is after the quarterback, second most most important person. Uh, probably on the field, period, and um, and um, so that 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 may have played a big part in it as well, and, and also you have you have both defenses that throw a lot at you. Uh, you don't want to get out of pocket and, and start doing a whole bunch of fancy stuff on offense. That that could be a disaster. When dealing with that many blitzes and zone blitzes and twists and, and that and games coming from a defense. And which is very true when you when you add to the fact that these teams are so evenly matched and they both have some strengths, then it does uh, keep you from actually, you know, being sometimes aggressive because you, you realize that you know, it may not match up to what these teams, you know, can handle, right? You know, they, they, they've been playing great defense, these two teams. That's why they're in the Super Bowl. And offensively, you know, they've shown that they can be quite explosive. 
And so yeah. sometimes when they're so easily matched, I mean, now it's just mono on mono. No more tricks. Let's go play some football, right? And, and Damon, and I, I agree. Believe, when, when you agree that this, this is probably the most evenly matched Super Bowl that, you know, you've been, you've been around longer than I have, but since I've been, you know, into football, it's the most evenly matched Super Bowl I've ever seen. Well, you know, I, mean, I couldn't, over pick, the a, I couldn't pick a winner for nothing. I couldn't pick a winner either. And I said it really comes down to the, you know, the, the crucial fundamentals of the game of football that, that separates, you know, teams from winning and losing is turnover, field position, and, and playing good defense, right? And so I knew that, you know, going into the ball game, you, you really can't pick a winner. That's right. No, no, it was. We just couldn't. You know, now there was a lot of criticism about, you know, about this being a, a less exciting Super Bowl to begin with because both teams are coming from, from smaller markets. And, you know, really that's an indication of the fact that Super Bowl is so much bigger than just the game on the field. People want to see the glitz and the glamour and showtime, right? That's that's what they that's what they want to see. By the way, from a broadcasting standpoint, the this Super Bowl broke the record for the most people watching a single event uh by by uh by several million viewers. And so, you know, people were watching all around the world. Um, I think they were going to watch whether it was, you know, Green Bay or if it was, you know, Dallas and the Redskins or, you know, or or another great team or the Bears or whoever. Well, I think this Super Bowl was poised for people to watch it just from the standpoint of the excitement of what Jerry Jones and the work he had done uh, with getting everybody into into the actual Super Bowl. But, um, you know, to me, it was exciting because, like you all said, it was about the athleticism, and it was exciting to see kind of an equal matchup because now I'm looking at the will of the person. And so, I mean, I'm trying to transfer all of my energy, you know, through the TV screen and just allow them to be, you know, just to try to send some extra vibes. Of course, I was push, I, I was pulling for the Pittsburgh Steelers, but, you know, I just wanted to see a good, good game. So I was disappointed um, in the in the middle of the second quarter when it was looking kind of, Kind of whack for a well, moment, not, but you know absolutely did You know what's funny? It hasn't been too many Super Bowls. We have so many great players who are injured and were in factors. That's, you know, like Dreyer. I mean, uh, uh, Driver is one of their you know best receivers. You know, he got injured and didn't play. And you got Wilson didn't play, and all these guys. Uh, you know, they you know they talked about and maybe factors in the ball games. You know, these guys didn't play a full game, and so that might have took away from some of the excitement. Uh, of the game, and so, you know, the, the, and, you know, most Super Bowls, we haven't seen that many injuries. That's yeah. right. Well, the very first injury of the game came to the national anthem with Christina Aguilera <laughs> and messing hey, up the words. The first casualty was to our national anthem, and people have made such a big deal about messing up the doggone words. And I, you know, I'm like, it's a long song. The song, the song made sense years and years ago. It doesn't really apply today. If we had to rewrite a national anthem, it wouldn't be written in quite in that way. Let's keep it real. So it's an outdated song. And so I would expect there's going to be many people messing up the words. You know, nobody got upset. You know, to my knowledge, when when Marvin Gaye really freaked it, you know, during the NBA Finals years and years ago. Because he had everybody popping their fingers and all that stuff. What are you talking about? We haven't seen a, 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 a anathem like that since. 
So, yeah, that was 19. You probably, you probably won't either because there's no singles <laughs> like that now. Yeah, I, I, I still look for that video on YouTube. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I, I think. But the other day, yeah. Ocho Cinco tweeting that he kept watching it over and over. <laughs> yeah, I think it was 1987 was the year, if I'm not mistaken. But then, you know, we did have uh, uh, Whitney Houston come and do her rendition, which was really great, too. You know, there was some unfair criticism about Christina saying that she was trying to do too much with the song. I'm like, a lot of, you know, there's a couple people that did a whole lot to the song, and people absolutely yeah. loved it. It just didn't work for her. People, and like, people like to criticize, like, no matter who you are, from Michael Vick on down, they like to criticize you. Exactly. She has one of the best voices in 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 the music business right now, so they leave, totally leave her alone. Not not many people can sing nowadays. <laughs> yes, oh, she that, can yes. blow. And, and nobody questions the fact that she can blow. <laughs> yes. She sang acapella. I was like, there's no instrumentation. She just would come out there. That's, that's, now, that's a singer. When you come to, I don't I don't need anything. I'm I'm just going to sing it. I mean, it'd be different if she had planned to change the words and I could see. But, you know, she obviously just made a mistake. I mean, she truly just made a mistake. What I thought was classic was, was wow, as soon as she made that mistake, <laughs> they were showing some of the players. I think it was for the Packers, if I'm not mistaken. And there was a whole bunch of side eyes. Like what? Like what the hell did she just say? What did she just but say? Let's keep, oh, it, let's, keep it, let's keep it all the way 100. Are we really listening at the words? You want to see how she sounds. Whoever, no matter what event you go to, you want to say, okay, who are they going to kill it today? Are they going to blow it out the water today? I don't care what they're saying. They can be. I they can hum it blown, for a lot. I know she messed up the words. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to see. I'm trying to see how good you sound. I don't care about the words of that song. I don't want to offend anybody, but you know. Hey like George, would they rather see Carl Lewis sing it? Would they rather have Carl <laughs> <Yeah>. Lewis sing? <laughs> yeah, Carl Lewis, Roseanne Barr. Roseanne Barr. <laughs> Criticize some people. There are some people that that deserve it. I just don't think Christina deserves the the, uh, the uh, criticism that she got. But like you said, very good point because a few Super Bowls back, you know, when uh, Janet Jackson had that wardrobe malfunction, I actually didn't see it live. Like like I watched, you know, I watched it live, but I didn't see what everybody else apparently saw. And so I, I actually had to go back to to YouTube and watch it. And I was like, oh wow, how did I miss that? But I was looking at the overall performance, and so I'm like, I just didn't, I just didn't see that. So you know, it's always going to be people that try to nitpick. Also, what I thought was was kind of crass. I'm just going to say it is when they magically got a uh, just a, a shot of A Rod and and Cameron Diaz, and she's feeding him popcorn. Now, I'm sorry, that was no accident. Come on, really. Like you Most really just don't have accident. to at them, yeah. and they're in a box. They're in a box. And you just don't have to at with... the moment they're going through this lovey-dovey thing. I'm like, what, what's really going on? You know, I mean, are they trying to make more of the Super Bowl? I, my oh, concern he was, was, he was hungry. Well, my concern was that they were shooting things off of the field because maybe the game was, was a little bit dry at that moment and they wanted some things to talk about or to stir it up. Um, you know, and I just thought, look, this is a sporting event. Let's let's keep it at that. A Rod and Cameron Diaz exchange and lovey dovey is really not a part of NFL Super Bowl, and it just it just absolutely made no sense. Now, if they were going to pan across and show several famous people, that's one thing. But they specifically went from the field to A Rod and uh, and 
and Cameron Diaz, and then wait, and then went back um, onto the field. So I just but Jenny, you know. but Jenny, why can't they do that in, in, in NFL? Because they do it all the time in basketball. Yeah, but they're why usually they showing multiple. <laughs> yeah, but they're showing multiples of people. They're like, there's Beyonce, there's Jay Z, there's Nelly, there's this one, there's that one, there's Jack Nicholas. Yeah, and they you had, know, you know. Anderson, that they showed her. I mean, how how many football games did you think she goes to? I just I just think for 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 the sport, it did a disservice to the sport to to make that interesting. They trying to make it celebrity too. Huh? They trying to make the they trying to make the sport celebrity too. It's the biggest spectacle uh, in, in, in the United States. Kind of takes away from the sport. Okay, any any final comments about Super Bowl? Are they going to repeat, or are we going to see some totally new champions next year? Um, Green Bay well, definitely has, to... they have they have the makings too. We'll see. Yeah, yeah. I, I like their receiving cores. Their receiving <laughs> core is sick. Yeah, and then their quarterback is sick too. Because if you if you think back, you remember the play when he threw that post down the middle and Palomar oh, was like five yards from the ball, oh, and the man, ball went by good. him before he can. Um, well, not too many guys can make that throw. That's true. Palomar was standing was right bit. there, and the ball went right by him so fast before he could react. Yeah, that's the, that's the kind of confidence that that's the kind of confidence they have in this new quarterback, and that's why you know basically Brett Favre, you know, was uh, you know wanted wanted him to move on because you know this kid has that kind of capabilities. So was Brett Favre. Here, I'll ask you this first name. So, was Brett Favre sitting in his living room going, "Damn, that should have been me"? No, he's no, not. No, Come on, no. Come you, on. See, you see the body. You see the body of work of this guy, and the guy has mm-hmm. over five hundred touchdowns. <laughs> that yeah, he, won't he, be broken. He ain't tripping on that. He's he's Hall he's Hall of Fame. He, he he's probably sitting on half a billion dollars. Uh, <laughs> He's he, he not tripping, you know. Maybe if he hadn't won the Super Bowl, maybe he'll sting some more. But uh, I'm pretty yeah. sure he's, he's happy for the young guy. Um, you know, he, you know, you know, Aaron Rodgers. Now he's not a slouch to be picked in the first round, but no doubt. But he, he still had to climb the totem pole. Sim yeah. behind Brett Favre. Not, not I mean, many, like I said, yeah. Not, not many first for three. Get the, even get the luxury. It started off as a luxury. Uh, to even sit that long, yeah, and to learn that much, he's he's way ahead of the curve. In most most first rounders, that, that and just not to get off a subject, yeah, that's how I feel about. It. Just imagine if Cam Newton could sit that long. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? It's, it's, it's gonna. It's, it's, we live in such of a a right now. The NFL is a right now league. You know, yeah, that's, that's, why you have, quarterback. that's why you have first round quarterbacks be sitting. Yeah, that's why you have so many quarterbacks struggle because they have to be thrown in there right now. And there's some guys who've, you know, been able to withstand it, uh, but majority of the guys, you know, can't handle the pressure. Yeah. It, yep. out. So it, went, it, it, it went well for Rodgers. He, his, his, his career has the most the impeccable timing if I, if I've ever seen. He was able to sit down for that long and to learn and not be thrown in and, and 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 this that's just been been awesome for him. Yeah, and then for him is when it really comes down to, uh, he was ready when it was his time to to be called. He was ready, and so yeah, so it, it kudos on him. Like saying when this 
because you don't get too many opportunities when you're a quarterback. And so, you know, your whole makeup and preparing yourself is when they call your name, mm-hmm. what you going to do? That's how you play in the league a long time. That's true. When well, they... I, I just want to bring this up. Speaking of playing in the league a long time, you know, what gets announced right at Super Bowl weekend is Hall of Fame. Is the 2011 or that current year inductees, and you know we were it's down so to ten, leading up. up. Yeah, it's backed up, right? So they oh, had seven. So they had seven inductees uh, that that they finally announced. Uh, of course, Dallas was stunned that that Tim Brown did not make it um, into the um, induction class for 2011. Who did make it was Deion Sanders, uh, who still lives in the DFW area. Uh, Marshall Falk, as well, uh, made it. Joining them was Shannon Sharp, uh, Richard Dent, Ed Sable, am I saying that right, Les Richter, and Chris Hanberger. And so seven guys got inducted, and, and, you know, that's exciting. Um, But, you know, a lot of people were upset about uh, about, uh, Tim Brown. Were there any upsets for you guys? I I think Tim should have made it in. Um, like, like I said, they're backed up. They're they're backed up, man. There's it's a lot of guys that's not gonna make it next year. They should go in either. So is is I think it's just a big lock jam. It's backed up. If guys can just be patient, you know they're gonna see. See the, the good thing about him. See he's not sitting around wondering if he's gonna get in. You know what I mean? Right. He's gonna get in. That's guaranteed. He's gonna make it to the hall. It's just been a couple years late. You know I mean? Let me let me tell you something. And the reason why sometimes the guys don't get patient, right? Because it's all okay. about um, the levels and where you're going in, right? Uh, you mm-hmm. know, I was talking to my brother about that. Uh, I said, you know, even when the Raiders were actually messing with my brother in those four years, uh, he went to yeah. Kansas City and had a great year. Uh, his first thing is that he he knew he was going to make the Hall of Fame, but his first thing is says, I want to be a first ballot Hall of Fame. And so there's stages. <laughs> Uh, first ballot, as, you know, George, you probably know this. Uh, you know, when you introduce yeah. a, a first ballot Hall of Famer, that's what they say. They don't say I'm a Hall of Famer. They say I'm a first ballot Hall of Famer. So it's the level. Yeah. That is more prominent than anything else. I just think. So that's I, why guys I, get so anxious about, you know, you know, coming in. They should be in. But you know, like I said, they're Hall of Famers, and it's no big exactly. deal. But much more I, in the NFL, know. much more in the NFL. Their status. Yeah, I right. just think to me, to me, status. What I was told a long time ago. What What do you call the person that graduated last in medical school? Last in the class. Doctor. A doctor. doctor. <laughs> 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 call Call me Hall of Famer. I don't care when I go in. <laughs> but that's that right. is my. But there is a status. Whole was happening in the NFL, and so you know that's what guys are all you know about. You know they, when they get in, they want to get in the first round battle, the Hall of Famer, because there is different status. Yeah. Well, you no know, guys, well I was going to add, you know, uh, you know, Dent was the the 1986 Super Bowl MVP, and you know he he just got inducted, so he's been waiting, you know, for for a long time. Curtis Martin. Uh, missed out, you know, and didn't make it. He was snubbed. A lot of folks, you know, thought that maybe he should have made it in. But, again, this was his first try at at, uh, being eligible to get in. Uh, You know, I'll just bring this up. You know, 
a longtime family friend, and and Damon and I have talked about this offline a lot, is uh, Elvin Bethea, who was yeah. inducted, uh, I believe, in 2000, uh, 2000, let me tell you exactly, 2003. Yeah, yeah, same year as your brother. Yeah, how could I forget? Same year as your brother. And, you know, Elvin retired in 1983, I believe, 83, 84. And so, and Elvin, I mean, Elvin played 16 years for the Houston Oilers. The man made eight Pro Bowls. That, I mean, he was a force, okay? I mean, he was just an all-out force. And the city of Houston, which which he still lives in Houston, because he played for the Oilers for 16 years, uh, the, the city of Houston literally had to start doing a campaign to really kind of support and uplift and kind of get him, you know, to have more interest because defensive players don't necessarily have a whole lot of highlight like the offensive players tend to have, unfortunately, and um, even though they win the games a lot of times. Um, But I'm thinking this is – and I'm going to throw this to you guys. I'm thinking Tim Brown may want to consider that, you know, trying to – to to get that kind of support from the city um, of Dallas or and, and other areas and and organizations to try to get him in sooner than later. I think if he sits back, he's gonna he's not gonna get in for the next five or six years. No, he'll, he'll get in. He'll, he'll get in. But it's just a very it's a very difficult process. That's all it is. It's a very difficult process to to pick, and um, they just I think I believe they have to find another process. I know. I totally agree with that. I mean, the one thing with with Elvin, you know, he he made several cuts in the semifinal round, and the final, you know, he made several cuts. But the year he made it in two thousand three was the year he made it to the final ten, and so that was the that was the closest he had ever gotten, and so that was exciting. But because we had been through this with our friend, you know, we were trying to be optimistic, but you know, not overly optimistic in the event that he was disappointed because he was really disappointed. I mean, he gave his blood, sweat, and tears to the Houston Oilers, uh, you know, know, and to love you blue. And, you know, it was, it was interesting watching him go through that process. Um, and it was, it was a wonderful day, uh, when, when he was inducted. I mean, it just, it just really was, I don't know what it is for all the players. Um, uh, if they revised the process, how would they do it? I mean, what would you do differently, Damon? Would you let more people in? I, I would, I, I don't understand how they, how they pick it now, but, I think regardless of how they go about doing it, I mean, there must be a better way, a more efficient way to, to do it. Uh, but you're always going to leave out some great players. I just don't I mean, see why the, why the limit, you know. Yeah, yeah you're always going to leave out some great players. Yeah, you're always going to leave out some great players. And I think they just have to find a better uh, process because I think you, you get a certain amount of chance. Uh, I think in in the Pro Football Hall of Fame, if you don't make it in those things, then you're pretty much done. And so there is a, a limit, a, a limit or time limit for your name to be actually um, brought up and and not and not survive. So I don't even know how you know how what. I mean we don't we don't even know how it, how it works. And that's I, I would like to know have someone actually who from the committee explain. You know how they go about picking selection. That that would be an interesting topic. Okay, are you ready? Are you ready for the explanation? Yeah. You know this is the real thing. We try to give it to you quickly. <laughs> okay, it says the the committee consists of one media representative from each pro football city, with two from New York. In as much as that city has two teams in the National Football League, a 33rd member is a representative of the Pro Football Writers of America, and there are 11 at-large delegates. 
with the exception of the PFWA representative who was appointed for a two-year term. Uh, all appointments are of the open-end variety and can be terminated only by retirement or resignation as long as the member continues to attend meetings regularly. The selection committee meets annually at the time of the Super Bowl to elect new members. There is no set number for any class of enshrinees, but the committee Current ground rules do stipulate that between four and seven new members will be selected each year. The 1973 and 1976 classes of three were the smallest ever named. Every candidate is carefully scrutinized and must receive at least 80% approval of the committee at the annual meeting before he can be elected. A scale of negative votes for elimination that will vary depending on the number of selectors in attendance is used. When the selectors meet in North Texas and then they go on and talk about what happened and you know other finalist survivors, blah, blah, blah. so it's 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 actually a bunch of people from the media <laughs> that come up with with Hall of Fame. Pretty much. And then you have to question uh, have have they seen some of the guys that they're up and and those things, right? So I mean, yeah, it's. It's a tough process. I mean, it's a very difficult process, and, and I think every Hall of Fame has to go through that same process. You know, you're going to leave out some, some really, some really special and great players, and it's unfortunate. So, but but doesn't that make it interesting that the people who are voting for Hall of Fame, many of them, the most they ever did from a curl was curling up the, a donut to their lips, that some of them have not, never played I'm not, sports. I'm not going to go there. Why not let the ones that are already in the Hall of Fame do the voting? At least have a percentage of the votes. I I totally agree with that. I mean, I would really want someone that had a true appreciation for the game to, you know, and that they'd been there, done that, to be a part of what it means to vote a person into Hall of Fame. Because at, at that well, stage of the game, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, to a certain extent, you lose a little bit of respect for the process. To me, I do. I'm speaking for myself when I know that a bunch of people who are voting may have never ever touched a, a, a pad before, unless someone accidentally yeah. fell on them because they were too that's close. A, to the like that, that's why I think it's same, same with the Pro Bowl. I think the player votes should count majority of the majority of the the votes. Or maybe they should have a players panel too, right? Along with the 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 sports writers, they should have a players panel or you know alumni panels, and that's all they do each year and look over the research and 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 do those things. But you have to understand the media votes for everything from uh, pro uh, from uh, MVP of the league to uh, you know all these things uh, who win the Heisman, all these things. The media has yeah. something to do with some of the greatest trophies that are are given out. And so, okay, yeah, so, the media has so a lot right of now, I'm a, So right now, guys, I'm going to do a 20-second commercial because this is important. So this means if media is selecting, you know, a majority of the big accolades, players, please transition into media when you get out of play. Please. Media needs to have more experienced professional athletes that know what they're talking about, can understand the game, can relate, have the relationships and the connections already with the with the players that are currently the playing. Yeah, it would amplify what it meant to cover a game if you had players. Like I would love to see a network and I'm challenging the networks. I would love to see a network 
just take one whole game and have everybody in the media that covered that game, you know, a nationally televised game, be of former players, everybody. And I would love to see how that game was covered. You know, that's that's what I want to see. And, and again, I'm not saying anything bad about, you know, some of the people in media uh, who never played the game because there are some very good ones, you know, out there as well. But, you know, it's such a minority of people in the media who were former professional athletes, and I think that shouldn't be so. And, you know, George, you know, I just have to kind of put it out there, you know, George is one of those that I, you know, that I highly endorse as being really this, this you know, highly talented, um, great to work with, up-and-coming media professional that can really get it done in front of the camera, on radio, and, you know, and that's something that media needs to understand. Uh, same thing with Damon. You know, Damon just launched his show. See, you guys won't brag on yourself, so I'm going to have to. Uh, but Damon just <laughs> just launched his show outside of the pocket, and it's a show that is a mix of both sports and entertainment. And he's doing these great in-depth interviews. He just talked about he interviewed Jerry Rice. I'm sure, no doubt, that was that that was filmed for your show, Damon. And so yeah. you have all these players that bring something different that. And I'm going to say regular media, no disrespect, but media that that are not a part of the pro athlete ranks that they don't that they don't have access to. And so, you know, if if media in the sports world is really interested in upping your game, you start uh, opening the door a little bit wider for for the bigger bodies, the uh, pro athlete bodies that are ready to come in and transition and give something new and exciting yeah. to the world. Uh, you know, that's yeah, all I'm going to say about that. And I'm saying that was realized that players open up more to players. You could get a lot more. You can get a lot more from you know from having players interview players and players get the 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 point of view from uh from players that they might not be you know open to give to somebody that they don't frankly they might not feel that uh, they understand where they're coming from. You know, which is true. Correct. And you know, I, I don't expect. Um, Granted, I think Bob Costa is one of the best to do it. Mm-hmm. I he, I wouldn't feel comfortable. I wouldn't think he would feel me if I told him what it felt like for me to do a three-step drop and the quarterback hold the ball for ten seconds. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thank you. yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. You know, <laughs> you know. He even know I know that, the, I know the know. lineman is thinking like the ball should be gone, dude. What are you doing? Bob <laughs> Cox had no idea what that must feel like. He had no idea what's going on, you know, in the locker room, you know. And and he's one of the best, you know, sports, you know, personalities out there. You know, it's just different when you're dealing with player to player. Yeah, it's the same same as in coaching. You know, and 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 even in college ranks, you know, you said you said uh, you said uh, uh, just for instance, if, if, if just say Dion wanted to be coaching and go wanted to coach at Florida State, you said Dion in somebody's living room, that kid going to Florida State, <laughs> no matter what, you know. Yeah. I think that I don't think colleges and and pro teams they use the the alumni former players as much as they should. I think the NBA does a great job of that. You look on any mm-hmm. side, you see Buku. You excuse my my slang of former players. Any NBA bench, they're all former players. You look on NFL sidelines, you don't see that much. 
That's right. Yeah. That it's is, true. That NBA exactly. does a, a really good job of even the, how they market the league. I mean, you know, you you go from the Magic Johnsons and Larry Birds, and and you're already going to know about the Kobe's, and, and and so they do a good job of introducing the future of the NBA faces uh, from three levels. That's right. Yeah, they're That's already exactly. preparing for Kobe and all that stuff, and all of a sudden LeBron James, the next wave of players are coming, right? And, and you know, like I said, before you know it, two years from now, they're going to show you another set of rookies that are uh, mm-hmm. dynamic and, and, and preparing their way, right? And so, you know, as, you know, like Kobe, you know, still fairly young, you know, he's an upper echelon player now. <laughs> but, you know, they're preparing for the next generation. That's yeah. it. That's exactly right. Okay, so do- I so – I- Stolen an extra 30 minutes of, of you guys' time, and I really cannot thank you enough for that. And so I see that we're so talkative, which is good, because I want you to back on next week, if you've got the time, uh, next Tuesday at 9 p.m. Central Standard Time, uh, because next week I want to talk about collective bargaining agreements. And, Ooh, yeah. uh, you know, as, as as you guys, I'm sure, saw leading up to Super Bowl, that was a lot of chatter um, there was a meeting that occurred the night before Super Bowl, you know, trying to have some meeting of the minds. Uh, but there's a lot of dynamics in play. And uh, what I want people to really walk away with, especially fans who, uh, for whatever crazy reason, are, have been trying to weigh in on the business side of the sport, which I, I don't get that. But I would like for fans to be educated on what, the, uh, what people are really uh, trying to say. I'm going to throw one thing out there. And I'm just going to say that, you know, today players get about 59% of the of the revenue, right? And owners get the rest. Yeah, there's, thinking, some, yeah, there's, some, there's some hidden numbers in there, but there's too much to go into, though. There's a lot of hidden yeah. numbers. Well, I'm sure hidden, there is. A lot, lot of but, hidden numbers. But here's owners, my statement. Owners, owners get broke off more than what the CBA oh, said. Absolutely. Well, let's just say they didn't. Let's just say they got 41%. 41% for sitting in an air-conditioned room that you can oh, do oh, that no, until no. you 80 and then you no, pass no, that no. on to your children as opposed no, to no. a player that is that is really the the entire engine that makes that those economics so. It shouldn't be 41%. It should, it and should and be. I just, I just think, I think there's, there's you know, they say there's but no they did put up the, business. They did put up and the I think that, I think that should. <laughs> I think there should be more ethics in business than there is. At some point, you, at some point, you got to be a human, and I well, think there are more than more than people than just players that, that would suffer from a lockout. Yeah. Well, well, yeah, well, that's exactly right. But again, I, I, this is me, and we can talk about this next week. But I think greed, from the owner standpoint, is really driving us to what's going to be a point of of irreconcilable conflict. Um, I do, I do not believe that they're going to come to an agreement because greed has just overtaken. Uh, the owners in their position. They think they're in a very good position to be able to negotiate uh, for the oh, purpose. They're in, great, they're in a great position. They've got the upper hand. They're in a no great doubt. position to negotiate because they think a lot of players at the end of the day will say, you know what, if I have to choose between no paycheck and a check, I'm going to go ahead and side with a check. Um, and so they think that I really do believe the owners think at, you know, at, at the last hour that the players will – 
will cave and you know and will will give more concessions and, 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 and they're and interested in and nobody that's can blame a player. We we all got families to feed, and you know, and at the end of the day, everybody don't make Brett Favre or Peyton Manning money. Or you know, is is if you got a guy that's his first year in the league, this is his first job, and this that's what he's banking on. You know, yeah. And he's seventh round, and he's not making a million dollars. And you're making a half a million dollars at the Texas. He's making a quarter million dollars. And That's so he's got to figure gonna, out what he's gonna what he's gonna do with, you know, his life. Well, you know I, mean? I would, Marcellus Wiley, um, uh, George, especially. I don't know if you heard Marcellus make this uh, great point on ESPN. He said, you know, he said it's the difference between owners who owning a team is their side job that's not their major source of income, as opposed to players who this is their main job. So mm-hmm. you know, so already walking to the table with a different mindset to begin with. It's a recipe for a lot of conflict because you have owners that are like, well, whatever. I mean, if it if it fails, I've got fallback plans. Okay. You take, is- take Detroit, for instance. I promise you F-150 is on the top of their list, not the line. Mm-hmm. You, yep. you see what I'm saying? Is, you, know, you know, you got an athlete, you know, just a football player, playing that season is on the top of his list. Well, you yeah, have to right. understand, too, like TV's driving everything. So, I mean, yep. if, if they don't make changes, then one day they're going to lose television and then you, ain't nobody going to be playing no nothing, right? So when television right. give each, each team, you know, two two $200 million, yeah, you can't, you can't pay your salaries and make some coin, too, right? And so, you know, that's the thing that, you know, even sports. I mean, we're talking about the the – the NFL, but it's the NBA that's, that's thinking about locking out. Oh, let me tell you what. There's no, no, no doubt that you know greed has something to do. When you, when you refuse to to open your books, knowing it's the right thing to do, you, exactly. you, right. you, you know you know you got you know you got the upper hand. So it's really like you know, it's like forget you and the horse you rode in on. We ain't showing you nothing, and you got to deal with it. And working hard. Well, let me just let me just say this: uh, NFL's uh, CBA collective bargaining agreement expires on March third, two thousand eleven, at eleven fifty nine p.m. The NBA's collective bargaining agreement expires this year on on June thirtieth, two thousand eleven, at eleven fifty nine p.m. National Hockey League, uh, or actually, let me backtrack. Major League Baseball, their collective bargaining agreement expires this year, December 11th, 2011. And the National Hockey League, uh, their CBA expires next year on September 15, 2012. So we've got four major leagues, major pro leagues, that are all going through the same thing. This is truly unprecedented. Um, and the NFL is going through it first, but I mean it's just going to be a domino effect this year. You know, three months and then three months later it's the NBA, and three months after the uh, NBA. Well, it's I think of- even the CFL was actually there. Theirs is up too. Is wow. it? Oh wow! And so you know, it'll be interesting to see um, what comes of it. And again, we'll we'll talk about it more next week. But this is you know, this is what I I want to stress every time I talk about the CBAs this year, because this is a, a point of focus for me, is that we've, we've got to help players get beyond being so dependent on that income. We've got to help them make other income. 
so that they have so they gain back the negotiation power to say fine owners then no then no football and so it doesn't hurt them personally and so you know we got to and again transitioning into media and doing those things so that you can ramp up your skills on another area because these players are highly talented in so many other things other than just their sport and now it's a matter of saying let's let's really focus on that and, and practice that, you know, whatever that new talent is so that it can now generate revenue for your family and you can negotiate properly based on what is important short, both short and long term instead of just short term. So I'm going to leave it there. Guys, I, again, I can't thank you enough, George. Just wonderful. Please, please join me next week. George, I want to talk to you about you doing a uh, weekly segment so so you can get your uh, good practice on Cause That's all right. Brother, yeah, it was nice, cause, George. Yeah, because George, down. you got it. I'm telling you. So you know, the world needs to hear from uh, George Fizzle Foster. <laughs> we got to hear uh, from you, George. George, if uh, if if people want to keep in touch with you, how can they find you on uh, Twitter? Uh, Twitter. Uh, I, I, I do it mostly from my phone, so I, I go on there fairly often. And um, it's George Foster seventy two. Um, okay, is it George Foster under the George Foster 72 altogether? Yes, at George Foster 72. Run okay, it all very um, I've been treating Facebook kind of bad, so don't don't go there. <laughs> don't <laughs> bring it on Facebook. You tweet a lot. No, George, no for, so for everybody that's listening, George really does tweet quite a bit and very insightful, especially uh, when you're watching a game. I just love watching your tweets when you're watching a game because they're either going to be hilarious, absolutely hilarious, or just quite insightful. And I love you. I love your your back-and-forth banter between people like Marcellus Wiley and the other others of your buddies who are also very, very knowledgeable about sports and football. So it's always fun. So, guys, make sure that you follow George and listen in the because I'll certainly talk about other things that George is getting into soon. And, of course, Damon Allen, Outside the Pocket. When So when can people see new shows? When does that come on? Hey, it comes on a Monday night at 7 o'clock, and looking forward to it. You can go to DamonAllen.ca. Uh, I mm-hmm. drive everybody to the website. Very good. Look Damon at all Allen. The other, uh, the, all the other yeah. entities that I'm actually involved in, too, so. Very good. And so if they go to DamonAllen.ca, they'll see definitely see Outside the Pocket. New show comes on at 7 p.m. Eastern time. That's Toronto time? Uh, it, it is Eastern time uh, in Toronto. I live in the city of Toronto. And so, right. yeah, 7 o'clock. And we have some uh, some very interesting people. Oh, absolutely. So I've you know, I've seen I've seen it and it's just it's actually really captivating. So it's it's just it's just fun to watch you blossom and it's fun to watch your interviews because you ask great questions, by the way. I just wanna well, give you that. I, I appreciate that because for me it's it's all about uh from the inside out, right? I, you know, I if I do it from the outside in then I'm gonna really just talking about your stats and how well you play in the game and all those things, but I wanna really know what makes people tick and what and what kind of message you can give and pass on to the next generation to, you know, equip them to be as great as, as the person that I'm talking to. So. Very good. And then when will you be ramping up your QB Academy, or is it ramped up again? Yeah, it is ramped up again. I'm, I'm getting uh, prepared to actually do, to do a big camp actually in March, and 
the great thing is I hired a, a, my own director, a director for the academy, so he's full time, and so <laughs> that that was that was just wonderful to do. And really looking forward to you know the growth in the in the quarterback academy. So you know, excellent, very is. good. All right, well, this is to the world. These these are two gentlemen that that you definitely need to hear more from. The good thing is is that, you know, they'll they'll be involved with the real Jenny. The even better thing is is they we'll be able to see them kind of blossom before our eyes because definitely both of them are destined to do even bigger and better things outside of the sport of football. So, gentlemen, again, thank you again. It's a pleasure for those of you who have been listening to The Real Jenny on sports. This has been a special edition and especially long, but hopefully very, very entertaining. Again, today was Tuesday, February 8, 2011. I'm Jennifer Dr. J. Tebow. I look forward to seeing you next week, Tuesday at 9 p.m. Central Standard Time. You guys keep it real.